And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Better up! Welcome to No Buns, the show for the casual baseball fan here on The Athletic. I'm Tass Mellis in the Classic Factory in Atlanta, Georgia. And with me, making the magic happen, is super producer JD. Hello. Oh, hello. hello. Hell, there he is. And from across the globe, joining me every single week, my co-host, Joel McMillan in Taiwan. Joel, what's up? Still uh, kind of buzzing from that big game last night, but uh, yeah, things are well. Things are well in Taiwan. All right, first question. Have the cats been fed? Because we've got to ask you every single week. It's the evening there. They just had dinner, I assume? They just had dinner, yeah. We had to switch their time to uh, 8 o'clock because of the show. Usually they eat at around 9 or 9.30. Yeah, they get pretty uh, they get pretty vocal around dinner time, so we had to feed them early. <laughs> All right, if you're new to No Bunts, excited to join the Athletic Baseball feed this season. Wherever you get your pods, join us or on the Athletic Baseball show on YouTube. We are streaming every single Wednesday. Going to talk about a lot of fun stuff this season. Of course, the storylines, but... Random stuff. We're going to pop some packs of cards. We're going to talk about the best spots for standing room only in a ballpark. We've got to rank those, Joel. Uh, we're going to talk about food at ballparks, I'm sure. we got to talk about oh, something yeah. next week. We don't know what our show is going to be next week, Joel. We've got to, uh, we've got to decide on that. Any thoughts? Mm-hmm. Maybe the origin of baseball. I was talking to a friend who loves cricket. Maybe we'll go back a couple centuries. What do you think? We could. We could hop in the time machine. Yeah, we could definitely do that. I, I like cricket, too. I've been I've been to a couple of cricket games in Australia. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> All right. We'll save that for off air. Um, okay. but, but I love the cricket music, J.D. Fantastic stuff. Okay, coming up on the show, Joel is going to tell us why the WBC is a legitimate tournament and you should take it seriously every time it comes around. We'll talk about the top five articles of clothing. From the 2023 tournament, the uniform, the batting helmets. And Joel's going to give us the top five storylines from all five WBCs. But first, here are the top five things you need to know from the 2023 WBC. Top five, top five, top five. Top five, top five, top five. Just had to put it in a list, Joel. I just had to put it in a list. We'll go five to one. Of course, we're going to start... With the man who made it happen. You're wearing your Japanese sweater over there, Joel. Yes. Got to. Shohei Otani. And at number five, before we get to him versus Trout, which was absolutely phenomenal to finish the tournament, I thought this was a different Shohei Otani even leading up to that. I felt he was a little bit more bold. He was just a little bit different. Maybe America's rubbing off on him a little bit because I thought there was a couple stories here I wanted to share with you. He usually doesn't take batting practice on the field before the game. He usually mm-hmm. he likes to make it happen, you know, behind the scenes in the batting cages. But before the semifinal against Mexico, he took batting practice and put on a mammoth 
power display, as Ken Rosenthal called it, repeatedly hitting balls into the second deck in right and center field where not a lot of major leaguers could put it. And he said, I knew Team Mexico was watching, so I wanted to send a little message. If you leave a ball out there, that's what's going to happen. And then he did the same before the final against the U.S., Glorious stuff, Joel. Is was there a different Otani in this tournament? That's a good question. I mean, he certainly played like he had extra motivation. Uh, I don't know if he did. I mean, I know he's going into his contract year, but you know, the WBC means a great deal to Japanese baseball fans. Baseball's taken very seriously here. Obviously, Otani's a student of the game, like the way he prepares, the way he approaches to play this game is really second to none. And could playing in America have rubbed off on him a bit? I mean, sure, it's possible. He's been, I think, in the league for five years now. But yeah, he looked very, very focused. And Tass, I think the thing that really stood out to me, like not only his performance on the field, but I truly think he's embraced being a superstar and like he truly knows it now. Um, That's kind of always existed like in MLB, but I kind of feel like it's more recently, like when after he won the MVP, people could, you know, kind of see like, okay, this guy's the real deal. And this event just kind of put him in another stratosphere in terms of, you know, like his stock and, uh, you know, his like him being recognizable and him just being like a global sports icon at this point. Like, I think he's well on his way there. And I think that, you know, the way he carried himself in this tournament really reflected that. And the emotion we saw in in the semifinal when he went up in the ninth bottom of the ninth there against Mexico they're down 5-4 he leads off the bottom of the ninth and uh, apparently his teammate Lars Nupar heard Otani say he made up his mind he was going to get on base mm-hmm. Otani just said it in the dugout yeah I'm getting on base and, and he was that confident and Nupar thought to himself man I wish I could just make up my mind and get on base in that situation first pitch roped a double was keeping it away from Randy Rosarena We'll get mm-hmm. to him later and what a tournament he had. And then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he got to second base. And I'm not sure if you've seen this type of emotion from Otani before, Joel, but just letting it out, you know, pumping his arms. It didn't doesn't seem Otani-like, but there was there was there was yeah this this side of Otani that people hadn't seen before. Am I correct in mm-hmm. saying that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the Japanese have a reputation, uh, their baseball team of being very reserved, very respectful, not showing a lot of emotion. So for, yeah, you know, so for not only Otani, but some of the other Japanese players to kind of show that outward emotion, I think that's a good thing to see. And I think it's, it's a reflection of how other cultures outside of Japanese baseball are affecting baseball as a whole, the way it's played, the way it's enjoyed, the way it's celebrated. And I think this is nothing but a good thing. I mean, they're human beings, you know, they're, they're going to show emotion. I understand part of their, that's, that's part of their culture of being reserved and not showing too much emotion, but I certainly don't think it's a bad thing. And in an event like this, I, I think it's a fantastic thing. You know, he should be up and showing emotion and clapping his hands and doing all these things. It's a, it's a perfectly natural reaction to a moment like that. So it's good to see. It's definitely out of character for him, but I think it just kind of, kind of adds another, you know, 
layer of depth to kind of his overall character and his his overall mystique. We just, you know, Tass, we haven't really had a chance to see that emotion mm. out of Otani because unfortunately the Angels really haven't played in any meaningful game since he's become an Angel. So, you know, this was kind of the first time we got to see Otani play in meaningful games. I believe he played in, in the prior WBC as well, but, you know, he wasn't as well known then. So, you know, yeah, this was just a different side of him, but very cool to see. Yeah, the lore just deepens with this dude. I saw oh, yeah. uh, Ann Rogers of MLB say that she was in the, the Royals clubhouse during spring training. They're watching the game, and everybody just in awe of Otani and everything mm-hmm. he does. And that's happened the last few years, happened at the All-Star game with people taking pictures of him. It's getting sort of Michael Jordan-like. Uh, and that ra- sort of uh, connects us to number four here on the top five things you need to know. Japan's dominance. Japan ran the table in this tournament, mm-hmm. going 7-0. and We got the championship game that we wanted, U.S. versus Japan. The two best teams meeting in the final. Uh, and the U.S. had turned it on, looked like they could repeat. But Japan wins their third title in the five WBCs. The U.S. has won the previous one that mm-hmm. was in 2017. And the Dominican Republica has won as well. And let's just jump to the end, Joel, because we've we've buried it for long enough. Mm-hmm. Shohei Otani got to pitch to his Angels teammate, Mike Trout, to finish the game. Storybook-like. Yeah. Un- unbelievable. The story, mm-hmm. the question was, would Otani pitch? Japanese manager keeping it close to the vest. After he hit in the fifth, he was, he was DHing in this game, he walked to the bullpen. And that was uh, uh, that was pretty cool. The cameras caught him uh, walking mm-hmm. to the bullpen behind the fence, unlike uh, you know in Japan where they they can warm him up apparently behind the dugout. Yeah. And, and so that was a, uh, uh, a different wrinkle. And he went out there and he warmed up, but he didn't pitch until the ninth and – did it work out so perfectly? Japan mm-hmm. with a 3-2 lead. Mike Trout was scheduled to hit third. Jeff McNeil, what a great at-bat from him. Earned a walk. <laughs> and then Mookie Betts quickly hit into a double play. So no one on. Yeah. Otani versus Trout. And it went to a 3-2 count. A, a couple heaters Mike Trout swang through. And then... Those heaters were 100 miles per hour, by the way. And then he swung through the the sweeper, the slider, whatever you want to call it, to get him and end the game. Glorious stuff, Joel. How did you feel mm-hmm. watching that at bat? Oh, I mean, I was I was working actually when the game was was going on, so I had to come back after work and and rewatch it. Um, I wish I had a side in real time. I mean, it's surreal. Uh, it's it's arguably the two best players who play on the same team from different countries facing each other in you know the final final out uh, or what could be the final out of the WBC. You couldn't script it any better. You know you couldn't script it any better. And let's be honest. I mean I'm sure there's a bit of uh, unspoken bragging uh, bragging rights between the two as a result of this. Uh, it was just amazing to see. And Trout that whole at bat I feel was just sitting on fastballs. And he couldn't catch up to, uh, uh, you know, two fastballs there. And, yeah, he struck him out with a slider. But, Tash, just really quickly, that is a master class. I know Trout struck out. But if you watch that at bat, he took Otani to a full count. And, Tash, 
Uh, Trout sat on two balls over 100 miles an hour. That is an elite eye. That is not something that a lot of players can do, and especially in that moment. And there was a fastball that Otani threw, and it just kind of cut at the last minute, and it sailed out of the zone. And it was a ball. Mm-hmm. To recognize in that moment and take a ball. Taz, that is extremely, extremely difficult to do. That at-bat was so fun to watch. And then I really think on that final strike, Trout was sitting – Fastball, Otani was like, you know, I've got you to swing at two of them. I'm just going to throw it by you again. And he went slider, which was pretty ballsy, but what a way to end the game. I was, it was amazing. Just, as a baseball fan, the better ending. Unless Trout hit a walk-off home run that won the game for the USA, both would have been just as cool to see. Yeah, phenomenal stuff. Yeah, I was watching it live. I'm I'm surprised we, we got you on the time change, I guess, Joel. You couldn't watch it live just because it was in North America here. It was in Miami. Got you on the 12-hour time change. I guess you have a real life. I guess we don't pay you enough <laughs> to do this full-time, uh, unfortunately. Usually the time change, you know, it, it always gets you. It usually it gets me when it's always. across the world. It, it, it has to get you, but uh, – Maybe we got to up mm-hmm. your pay here on No Bunts so you can uh, watch it live. But those those misses were ridiculously close. It's a great point about that pitch that mm-hmm. went three uh, two. That he mm-hmm. he tried to get him. It was two two. He tried to get him with that fastball, and mm-hmm. uh, he did miss. And then, yeah, the uh, swept across the zone there um, from yeah. from right to left, and Trout couldn't get it. And yeah, obviously a phenomenal tournament for Shohei Otani to give mm-hmm. you to give you his numbers. Um, both on the hill and at bat, because he does both. Uh, he hit 435. Uh, he was on base. 606 was his percentage. His slugging was 739. So there's oh, a slash. Gosh. 435, 606, 739. Four doubles, a home run. And 1.86 ERA with 11 strikeouts and nine and two-thirds because he started. And then he relieved. In this one situation, he hadn't closed since... The Japanese league in 2016 is when his last uh, uh, save came. And wow. did that matter? No. Uh, he, he stepped up there and, as you said, solidified his place amongst the best, but solidified his place as the best. Rachel? I would say so. We saw it last night. Um, I think Mike Trout is the best position player in the league still. I know some people might not agree with that, and, and that's you know perfectly logical. I think the biggest thing with Trout is his he's just struggled to stay healthy the past couple of years. But when healthy, I still I still in my heart believe Trout is the best position player. But Otani is just in a tier above Trout, like in terms of talent, and that's crazy for me to say, but it's just the truth. I mean, no one can do what Otani does. I'm I'm 100% in. I'm, I'm fully in. Um, he's, like, in my opinion, he's the best player in the league today. Like, there's just no one else that can do what he does. I feel like we're, we're running out of things to say about him at this point. I mean, nothing he does really surprises me. You're just in, in constant. Oh, I mean, Tass, he did it all this tournament. He started. He pitched great. He, he, he hit. He hit great. And then he closed out a one-run game. Uh, in the ninth inning of the WBC, what, what, what more can he do? Like on the field, I mean, he he did everything. So he just really kind of showed why he's the superstar, and he proved why he's the best player in the world. And the world saw that. You know, this was. I know we're going to talk about Randy Rose Arena later, but this was really Shohei. I feel his his coming out party. You know, now people got to see what he truly was about, and it was amazing to see. 
and I feel in this unique circumstance, there was even more to say about Shohei Otani. I know you just said we're kind of running out of things to say, but because he showed the emotion on that double, uh, because he was yeah a, a little bit a little bit more uh, cocky is is the uh, probably confident is the word uh, when he yeah. comes out with uh, you know showing uh, showing everybody he can bomb it in BP, saying I was trying to send a message that was uh, amazing, and in this tournament, which was phenomenal, we'll get to the best moments we've had in it, why it, it has uh, a lot of weight amongst MLB players. And you mentioned Trout. Mm-hmm. Trout was living life in this tournament. He loved it oh, so much. Yeah. He said, this is the funnest experience I've had on the baseball field. This guy has been around for a long time, considered the best baseball player you know, amongst his peers, arguably. He, he just enjoyed this tournament so much. So we'll, we'll mm-hmm. get to everything around the tournament and what it means and, and when it comes back three years from now, if there's any changes they should make. Uh, but I know you love this tournament, and I know everybody mm-hmm. loved this tournament. And as far as being here in North America, this had the most exposure in America that any WBC tournament has had. It's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, I love what Ken Rosenthal said about this tournament. Crazy as it sounds, the regular season looms as a letdown. Uh, the competition in WC is pure. It's just phenomenal. It, it's hard to duplicate. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we'll get, we'll get more to that. I just needed to needed to wax because it was so good. And, and just on the last point about Japan, as we move on here, they did the waxing. They were so good. So many instances uh, in this game where it felt like I shouldn't say so many because the, the the Americans didn't have a lot of chances, but the Japanese pitchers performed extremely well and got out of a couple jams. Over and over and over again. So, any any final words here about the the Japanese performance overall? Well, I mean, Tass, just to that point right away. I mean, you know, you know the old expression: baseball, good pitching is always going to be good hitting. And I think that was on display in the final. I mean, Japan's always got a reputation for you know having very strong starting pitching in in this tournament and this just goes to show too i mean for casual american baseball fans who just think oh it's it's america we got the best players and we're gonna roll roll over every team um you know i can i can see how you could under you know you could think that but i mean this goes to show you that baseball truly is an international game and the parity between some of the countries in these international competitions and the level of talent, especially in Japan, you know, compared to the USA. I mean, of course, MLB is the best league. I'm not going to say it isn't because, of course, it is. But in terms of just like raw talent and, and great players, I mean, the Japanese league and the Japanese players, they have excellent players. A lot of those guys that played for Team Japan could could be starters on MLB teams. Now, would they be star players? Probably not. But I mean, they have a very good depth of talent where they can compete with a Dominican Republic, with a Puerto Rico, with a USA, where, you know, they have star-studded lineups. Japan might not have the sexy names, but they have the talent. They play good fundamental baseball. They've got excellent pitching. And, you know, like looking back the way this tournament unfolded, I'm not surprised that Japan won. Like if USA or Puerto Rico or the Dominicans had a one, I wouldn't have been surprised either. But, I mean, this just goes to show you how strong Japanese baseball is and and the the talent is a lot closer than a lot of people you know think between a country like the United States and Japan maybe not sexy names but fantastic names Masataka <laughs> Yoshida a three-run blast in the semifinal there joining Boston uh, this year Munitaka Murakami uh, he had big home run in the final 
and the walk-off double in the semifinal. He had, uh, was it 56 homers last year in Japan mm-hmm. to set the uh, single-season home run record for a Japanese player, uh, and passing O, who had uh, 55. So it was cool to see uh, him break out because he wasn't having a good tournament until the semis and, and then the, the final, but came through big time as his team did. Amazing stuff uh, for Japan. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to them, and congratulations for you. You got to put on your sweater. Uh, so that, <laughs> yes, that, that's, so happy. Uh, do you wear that often? Quick question. Uh, no, Tass, it's fitting a little tight. It's fitting a little tight. I bought this, Tass, I bought this sweater in 2006 when I lived in Japan. So that was probably about, you know, 30 to 45 pounds ago. She's a little snug these <laughs> days, but I, I carry around for old time's sake. Well, thank you. Thank you for that background uh, on the sweater. I appreciate <laughs> no it. That's what you come here for on No Bunts. Some story time with Joel. And, and jump over to YouTube if you want to see Joel in the sweater. All right. Let's round out here the, the top five things you need to know from the WBC because there are some key injuries. So let's get to those right now before we get to another phenom in this tournament. Edwin Diaz had a freak accident. He's a closer for the Mets. You know, the trumpets. We've played it for you here on, on No Bunts. He just signed a huge five-year deal. 102 million before this season. He's pitching for Puerto Rico, last game of pool play, spot in the quarterfinals on the line against the Dominican Republic. A monstrous game, a, a fantastic atmosphere. And Diaz closed it out. Incredible. Everybody on the field celebrating. Then all of a sudden, everything stops. Diaz on the ground. He's injured. His patellar tendon in his right knee injured, and he's expected to be out for the season. So question, Joel, is there anything to these people arguing? We can't have a WBC. No, no, no. Did you see Edwin Diaz's injury? Any validity to that? In my mind, no. I mean, I'm going to be no. And I mean, even if you want to, you know, kind of include Altuve's injury in that, I mean, Diaz's injury was just 100% freak. It was just bad luck. Like, that's all it was. I mean, it unfortunately happened at the WBC, and I I feel so bad for Diaz and Mets fans. Like, that's terrible. But it was just simply bad luck. That's all you can chalk it up to. Um, The Altuve injury where he, you know, hurt his hand, that thing, you know, things like that happen. Task guys get hurt in spring training. Gavin Lux tore his ACL a few weeks ago in spring training. So should we not have spring training? Um, you know, Tass, like it happens in, in lots of people are playing sports. Like people are going to get hurt. Like it's a natural thing. People get hurt at the Olympics. People get hurt at the World Cup of soccer. People get uh, hurt at the World Basketball Champions and so on and so on. We don't we don't really hear that kind of talk surrounding those events. Oh, we need to cancel this. We need to cancel that because player A or player B got hurt. I feel baseball kind of gets singled out for that. Um, for the for the naysayers and the people that want to use this as ammunition to, you know, throw shade on this event or have it canceled, I think that's ridiculous. I think their mind's made up. I don't think they liked it before. I don't think they're ever going to like it. They kind of see it as a glorified exhibition, something that I strongly disagree with. But you can't really cherry pick you know, these two injuries and say, well, we shouldn't have it because of this. I I, I don't think that's fair. Yeah, you mentioned Gavin Lux's injury. Uh, I just saw this as well from San Diego Padres camp where Soto was removed from a B game because they have quite often split squads where you have a couple mm-hmm. games going on. He had a mild left oblique strain. Should we have B games? Should there be split squads? And, mm-hmm. and, and later that same afternoon, their catcher, Austin Nola, left their A game, a Cactus League game, after being hit in the nose uh, with a pitch. Ooh. 
stuff happens and, and yeah. uh, it's unfortunate there. So hopefully all's well with those guys. And obviously Edwin Diaz, I do want to add in this slightly bright outlook for Edwin Diaz. Cause he is expected to miss the season. Uh, but I thought this was interesting due to how it was handled. There's a chance he could come back this season. This is interesting reporting from Will Salmon at the athletic. The longer the knee goes without being operated on, the more scarring develop, develops. So the fact that the Mets medical staff was in Miami helped him get multiple opinions right away. It happened Wednesday night, and then he had the surgery Thursday afternoon. And then to add on to that, uh, a nice touch from Mets owner Steve Cohen when Diaz returned to his home. What was waiting for him there in Florida was a trainer, a nutritionist, nutritionist, and a personal chef, courtesy of Cohen and the Mets. So likely out for the season, but that stuff may have expedited just a touch um, and mm-hmm. usually takes eight months. But there have been instances where a player comes back in as quick as six months. So the fact that they got it done early, hopefully – bodes well. You mentioned Jose Altuve, and this was number two on our list of things you need to know from the WBC. He was also injured. Second baseman uh, was playing for Venezuela. He's at the plate, got hit with a pitch, broke his thumb. Now that guy is just the lifeblood of, of the champs. He is a great teammate, mm-hmm. heartbeat of the team. And you know, from a, from a fan's perspective, and in my opinion, just a very, very, very likable guy. He's probably out for a couple months. So how do you think this affects the outlook for the champs. Yeah, I mean, I think Houston's got a lot of depth on that team where they can absorb the loss of a guy like Altuve. And I'm not, and I don't say that lightly because Altuve is, he's a very unique player. He's a great player. Like you said, Tess, he's the heart and soul of that team. You know, he's been there through all the good times. He's signed that deal. You know, he's been in Houston a long time. Uh, important player on that team. But just from a strictly baseball Uh, and talent and roster construction standpoint. I mean, Houston's obviously not as good of a team, you know, while he's out of the lineup, but I don't really see this like affecting Houston's championship chances too much. I still think they're going to win the American league West. I still think they're going to go deep into the playoffs. Um, And it it might have an effect on, you know, the division and seating and stuff like that. But still, I I don't think Houston is really like in panic mode because Altuve is going to be out for for two or three months. There's more than enough talent on that team where, you know, they can easily stay first or close to first, you know, until he gets back. All right. Number one on the list of things you need to know from the 2023 WBC there's another Shohei Otani coming. Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot to put on a 21-year-old kid. But uh, Roki Sasaki, Japanese pitcher. He's 21 years old, currently plays in Japan, and he doesn't he doesn't hit and pitch like Shohei Otani, but the guy is a phenom. And at 17, he was throwing 101, and he was doing it in this tournament as well for Japan. I love this quote from Japanese manager Kuriyama. He said this, it's hard to explain, but to me, it's as if Sasaki is throwing his soul, not the baseball. Ah, <laughs> sends tingles down my spine, Joel, to, to hear baseball lore it. like that. Yeah, I love it. Sasaki was throwing 101, got up to 102 in this tournament. And like Otani, has got that nasty splitter that drops to like 90 miles per hour. He's mm-hmm. constantly compared to Otani. That's what's happening. And yep. last year, actually had a 19 strikeout perfect game in Japan. 
He struck out 13 in a row. In his next start, he pitched eight more perfect innings before exiting the game in the ninth. That was his first full season in the MPB. Sasaki went 9-4, 2.02 ERA, 173 strikeouts, and 129 in a third inning. So that's 12K per nine innings. So your question is, will he come to Major League Baseball? Well, he did say it's his dream, but it's very unlikely to happen until 2027. He could sign in 2025, but unlikely to come until 2027. So that's years down the road. The same thing that Shohei Otani did, essentially. And that's why there are so many scouts at his semifinal game uh, versus Mexico, where he got the start in the semifinal game. He didn't perform to his capabilities, three earned runs in four innings. But any thoughts on Roki Sasaki, just to let uh, everyone listening to No Bunts know Sasaki's name? Yeah, Tass, I'm glad you brought him up because he kind of seems to be the next uh, big pitching thing coming out uh, of Japan. But, you know, Tass, to your point you just said a minute ago, he, um, you're right, he's not going to be able to be posted until 2027, but he can leave early. I would be curious to see how, o- like, Otani's contract, what he gets this year, how it might affect uh, Sasaki's decision. Because remember, Otani, I believe, did not wait to get posted. He actually left early and made less money by coming to MLB. He had to take a different deal. I, I don't know the specifics. I don't want to guess. But I remember Otani left before, like, his actual posting time. Now, he kind of bet on himself, I feel, as a result of that. And, you know, Tess now, I mean, he's setting himself up for a huge payday by, I feel, kind of leaving early. I mean, I personally think Otani is going to get half a billion. Uh, Maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. But I would be curious, like, if Otani does get a monster number, maybe Sasaki sees that and thinks, well, maybe I should go over sooner, too. And then I'll have more prime years left, you know, like when I'm in the MLB. And I don't think he's, you know, I don't know. We can't predict the future. I, I can't imagine him getting 500 million. But Tass, like if he's an elite starting pitcher, you know, and by what the market is now and what it's going to be like when he's a free agent, I mean, Tass, he could be making three to $400 million easily if that talent translates from J- uh, Japanese baseball into MLB. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. I think the big thing with Japanese pitchers is durability because Tass, you know, like the Japanese, when they're training, like, especially when they're young in baseball, they've, you know, people have been kind of critical of some of Japan's training methods. They're very rigorous, but they do produce, produce top end talent, but a lot, like a lot of the pitchers, especially Tass, like a lot of them just blow out their arm. And when they come to MLB, they end up needing surgery, um, so it'll be interesting to see, yeah, what Sasaki does based on what Otani does. Because I could see him coming early, to be honest. I could see him coming early, betting on himself and setting himself up for a very, very big payday in the MLB. Yeah, speaking of paydays, as you said, Shohei Otani, a free agent after this season, 2023 offseason, could get half a bill. You said you didn't know if it was a hot take, whether or not he could get $500 million. I saw Forbes also mention that. I'm not sure when when they wrote that, but just a quick Google. So maybe it's not the hottest of takes, but it's still hot enough, Joel. It's hot enough for us. The $500 million would obviously be a record in Major League Baseball, and there's a chance. Uh, There's a chance, and I just wanted to bring it all back to Shohei Otani because Mm -hmm. he was the story of this tournament, Joel, 
And there's a couple comments mm-hmm. on YouTube as we're doing the show here. Raymond Morris wrote, watching Otani in this tournament reminds you of the best player on a really good high school team. He's the pitcher. He's the best hitter. And there's no doubt about it. However, yeah. he's doing that on the world stage, uh, which is yeah. incredible. And final comment here, because we'll be talking about Shohei Otani this season, I'm sure. This one, it's about your shirt from JB. I like Joel's Japanese jacket. Hot exclamation point. So just oh, had, had thank to you. throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> and Joel's going to be a hot teacher here after the break. we got to take a quick break, but he's going to give us a history lesson about the WBC. We'll talk about why this tournament could be even better. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about improvements. Uh, and also Randy Rosarena. Got to talk about him. We'll be right back on No Buts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to No Bunts. We will get into the WBC tournament history in a sec, Joel, but you've been asking me, you've been telling me. Tass, I need to tell the people why the WBC is a legitimate tournament, why everyone should be watching at all times. So here's the floor, Joel. Why is the WBC tournament a tournament everyone should be watching? Okay. Um, Tess, yeah, a couple reasons. I mean, first and foremost, it is a very compelling tournament. It has, it's got drama, it's got upsets, it's got patriotism, it's got rabid fans, uh, it's got upsets. It has all of the elements that make a great story, whether it's in entertainment, whether it's in sports, like it, it has all of those things in it. Um, Tass, this tournament has consistently gotten better and better each iteration of it. 2006, like it was brand new. I don't think it was that good. 2009, but it it is it is it has become more and more popular. the The level of play is good. And Tass, you're seeing the best players play now. Is it all of the best players playing? No, it's not. But I mean, if you went through the lineups of you know five or six of the best teams. There is a lot of talent on those rosters, and they're playing good, competitive baseball. It's exciting. It's not sloppy. Um, you know, Tess, you like when certain countries play, you look and you listen, you see the crowd reaction. Th- the players, the fans, like they're so into it. And I really love how the announcers uh, on, on the different networks, they did a fantastic job of selling this of promoting this, of describing the atmosphere to the people watching and listening. And I thought that was a great job, just like from a fan standpoint, they were really trying to to build that up. 
Um, it's just, it's exciting and Tass, like if I love baseball and I like seeing the best players play, and this is the opportunity where I can see the best players play represent their country. It's just such, it's just such a compelling event and it's never going to be on the level of, of a football world cup. Absolutely not. I'm not trying to make that case, but you know, as like, as we have more and more versions of this tournament, it's just going to continue to get better and better. The level of play is going to get better and better. It's just going to become more meaningful. I think more players are going to want to join this and, you know, Tess, I was, uh, when I was preparing for this, the attendance was up by over 100% in the first round, live attendance. They had over a million people. People are interested in this event. When you watch old highlights from like 2006, 2009, and you've got kind of two no-name teams playing, the stadium's like empty. It's like 2,000 people, 4,000 people. That's not a good look. But when you look at the games now, like even teams that aren't that popular, they're still drawing you know, 8,000, 10,000, you know, 12,000 fans and they're boisterous and they're loud. And and it's just such a, a compelling atmosphere. It makes for great TV. It makes for great sports. And if you're a casual baseball fan, this is like, this is something you can enjoy. You know, this is something you can enjoy. You can see the best players play, lots of drama, lots of great baseball, just fun. It's just a fun event, but very competitive. Unquestionably. It's gotten better and better and better. The World Baseball Classic is sort of like your your microphone audio quality, I'd say. It, it's going to get better week to week to week, like the WPC <laughs> got got better tournament to tournament to tournament. We're working on it. We're working on it here okay. um, from from Atlanta. No, your mic, it's fine. It's fine. But JD's a perfectionist over there. So from Atlanta to Taiwan here, we're we're trying to we're trying to make it work. Speaking of Taiwan. Pool play in Taiwan, pool play in Japan, pool play in Arizona, and Miami is where it started mm-hmm. in this tournament. I wonder if that's one thing that they can change or or, or if they, they go status quo because it, it didn't end up being a liability for Japan having to play at home and then flying over uh, to North America. They won it. But it was a struggle for some teams. I I, I think I think it had an effect uh, on Cuba. But anyways, now now I'm parsing. Uh, the the fact mm-hmm. is, baseball players love it, <laughs> and MLB oh, and MLB players don't have the Olympics. So this is their mm-hmm. this is their international tournament, and you could see they're absolutely adoring it. I mentioned Trout's uh, comment. There were so many comments about how much people loved playing in this tournament. It's not going anywhere. Rob Manfred, commissioner of MLB, said that it's coming back in 2026, and it's going to be in the same window of time, in March. Mm -hmm. I know people here in North America were saying that that could be something that's changed to improve the level of play to to improve the the type of players that go into it because as great as the US's batting order was it was incredible maybe the best batting order ever assembled 1 through 9 their pitching staff wasn't the same and it didn't have the same quality and Manfred said we want pitching staffs to be at the same quality of the hitters they didn't have that mm-hmm. uh in major league baseball and i think being in march where you don't see your pitchers don't have that comfort level that they would if it was in a midseason tournament or if it was in even even after the season. Well, and you could even see with the hitters. Trout started slow. A lot, Trey Turner started slow. A lot of guys started slow mm-hmm. in this tournament because it's in March. Is that something you would 
like to see changed or are you fine rolling here in March? Yeah, March is fine. I, there's no, I, realistically, there's no other time you can hold it. I feel I've. What about a I've break? Seen some inter- what about a break? Let's let's cut the season. Like we have days off in July. I know it would be, it would be you know increasing it, but it's happened in hockey before. We take a, a couple weeks off to play a tournament, and and I, I not only would the quality even go up just a little bit just guys would be in better shape the players inclusion would Mm -hmm. probably be higher because guys have been playing more and the eyeballs would be higher definitely in north america i I know in the world they're incredibly high you have 40 million people watching every game in japan they watch more wbc than they watch the world series and that's that's the way it's going to be they have their own league over there yeah but in north america just just to be uh a, a, a a bit of a homer here people would watch it more if it was in mid-season and and maybe that that doesn't matter but because it's more of baseball season here you're up against march madness and you're you're up against other sports that could be their window uh july could be their window there obviously have to be things to be worked out but you're okay with march yeah i test i've seen i've seen some possible scenarios yeah where writers have talked about you know playing part of it at the beginning of the season and then putting the the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals in in July. Oh, whoa, whoa. Um, that's 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 yeah. interesting. Splitting up the tournament months apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I read something about that. I thought it was interesting. I just logistically, I don't think that's possible. And Tass, to your point about well, you know, like the the NHL did it for the Olympics, but Tass, I think with this event, there's a lot more moving parts. Why you can't have it in the middle because you've got the professional leagues in Taiwan and Korea and in Japan. And, you know, it would take though, it would take three leagues shutting down and then as well as MLB. So logistically, I think that would be a pretty tough ask uh, to have it in the summer. Mm. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying it would be a lot more difficult to do. I think March is a good time. I mean, you're talking it, you're talking about it from a North American, North American perspective. I get that. Absolutely. Uh, A nationalist view (laughs) don't care about the rest of the world i have moved to america for a decade and i don't care about anybody else no it's it's a very it's a very i am i'm i'm kidding where it's a very good point about shutting down multiple leagues in the middle of Mm -hmm. the season uh because yes my uh my ignorant self didn't care to think about that but that's that's a very good point yeah i and it just i mean you're right it's up against some other events but you can't you can't put it in November and December. That's well into the players' off season. You can't put it in January. That's way too early. There's going to be way more guys getting hurt and stuff. So March, I think, realistically fits. I feel like there's no perfect time for this event. But oh, what, what, about me, what about intention- pitchers? What about pitchers? What about pitchers, Joel? I know shutting down the other leagues isn't is a problem. But as Manfred came out and said, Adam Wainwright was was starting. I mean, they they basically had bullpen games here in, in mm-hmm. for the U.S. As, as as solid as Wainwright has been, there there wasn't the the top level talent for American pitchers to go. Now, around the world, they showed up, and maybe and maybe just the how popular it gets, the level of the growth in popularity will encourage better pitchers uh, to to come play. But even mm-hmm. even just guys, you know, being warm, being being great being in baseball mode in July, it, it like pitchers are, are always catching up to hitters in the spring and that's fine, but you could have them both at peak level if they played for a couple weeks in July. Although, you know, it's asking, there's so many logistics. As yeah. I said, they played on two continents and 
it worked out really, really well. Uh, so I, I guess it would be difficult to go away from this, and maybe I should just maybe I should just stop living that dream, Joel. Maybe we're just going to have a March WBC, and that's just the way it's going to be. It. Tass, it works for me. You know, I can only speak for myself, but but it works for me. But kind of getting back to what you said a, a couple of minutes ago with the locations, Tass, that's another thing that I actually kind of like about the WBC. I like how it truly is an international tournament where you've got different international venues. With the World Cup of of soccer, like there's a host country and they just play all the games within that country. But with the WBC, you've got you've got three sometimes in the past, you've had four different host countries that I feel like that truly just gives it that much more of an international feel and task. I really feel they've nailed the pools, like in terms of grouping certain countries together uh, to maximize like fan turnout and stuff like that. I think they've done a great job. Right. So I would keep that the same. I mean, obviously the travel isn't fair. Like if you're coming from, you know, the, the, the Asian countries, but I think they get three or four travel days and obviously like it didn't affect Japan. Um, but yeah, I kind of like how it truly is a, a, a global event where the venue is in different countries. I think that's great. Yeah. And you brought up the, the, the groupings of teams in certain locations and that worked out incredibly well. The U S played in Miami for their quarterfinal. They felt like it was a road game against Venezuela uh, because of the incredible atmosphere there. And it was just, uh, it was phenomenal. They played their pool play in Phoenix. They had Mexico Mm -hmm. there, uh, a large contingent of Mexican fans in Arizona. It worked out extremely well. The groupings did work out very well. I can't lie, Joel. I can't lie. Uh, it's just it's just in our nature here in sports talk to d- dissect uh, how much it could be better. And even Manfred mm-hmm. said it as as he talked yesterday. He wants it to get better. But obviously, all five of these iterations have improved. But there may be people out there, Joel, that haven't been following this as closely as you and people like me, frankly. So. I want you to fill us in on the biggest happenings from each of the five WBC events. A bit of a history lesson with Joel McMillan. So here are the top five storylines in each of the World Baseball Classics. Top five, top five, top five. Top five, top five, top five. Yes, the storyline in each of the five World Baseball Classics. That's not that's how I should say it. Let me improve my English. The top storyline in each of the five World Baseball Classics. I had to correct myself. Nobody noticed out there, but I did. I did. The top storyline in each of the five. So let's go back, Joel. Number five, it's the 06 WBC, the inaugural WBC, where our Canada upset our USA. Yeah, Um 2000, like when I was kind of, when I, when I pitched this to you and I talked about this with you, um, there wasn't really a lot to talk about from the t- 2006 WBC, the inaugural one. So for me personally, and this is just more of a personal one, but you know, the USA had a star studded lineup, hall of famers. Yeah. Like uh, Griffey and Jeter and Chipper Jones, but they were no match for a stubby clap and Canadian baseball legend, Matt stairs and MVP, Justin Morneau. Excuse me. Uh, excuse yeah, me. This- excuse me. Did you say, Stubby clap, stubby clap, best baseball name ever. Stubby clap, phenomenal. Double P, double B, double B, double P. 
<laughs> what a name. Yeah. But that was cool because, you know, Tess, that was, I mean, you know, like being a Canadian and, you know, you've lived in America a long time. There's always going to be, you know, like Canadians and Americans, they always kind of get up. I feel like I don't really, it doesn't matter what the sport is. I mean, obviously for some sports, it's bigger than others, but the fact that, you know, Canada can, Canada can say they have a win over America and the WBC, I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Canada, we haven't done well in the WBC, but at least we have this. So that was kind of my favorite moment from 2006. Okay, moving on to the next one in 09, Korea and Japan's rivalry. Ooh, yeah. This one this one was really good and I can't, you know, stress this enough. Like Japan and Korea have a very very intense baseball rivalry. I mean, this dates back to, you know, many many years and they, they changed the format in the second tournament test because uh, they wanted to avoid teams being eliminated by run differential. So they it was like a modified double knockout round. I forget the specifics. But anyway, long story short, Japan and Korea actually ended up playing each other five times. Five in times? Yeah, five times, including the finals. Yeah. So, uh, and they split the first four games. But Tess, after one of those games, the some Korean players planted korean flags in the mound ichiro did not like this task there's a video of him on youtube seeing this and he's seething he's shouting at his teammates he's he's raging and you usually don't see that from him absolutely and then yeah it was very very out of character and it just goes to show you like how intense that rivalry is and then they met in the finals again uh this was in dodger stadium And the Japanese beat Korea in extra innings. They were actually up, I think, 3-2 in the ninth. And Darvish blew the lead. And then Ichiro hit a two-run single in the 10th. And Darvish actually came back out in the 10th and closed it, which I feel like you would never see today. Like, once a a closer blows a lead, like, the the manager's never going to put him out there again. So that was really cool to see. But, I mean, Tass, that's an intense, intense, intense rivalry. And it's very emotional and it's deep-seated and it's rooted in history and it's a real thing and this past like this wbc task over 60 million japanese televisions were tuned in to the korea and wbc game so you sit there you earlier were talking about a north american perspective but task the tv numbers in japan for these games and it's it's through the roof it's unbelievable what the numbers they're getting but are they cutting their cords that's the thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> cutting their cords. I don't know. I'll make some calls. Uh, well, that that, that is uh, really interesting. So the 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 Korea Japan game because the Korea WBC game here in 2023, 60 million. In, yeah, when they Korea. played in the pool round. Yeah. Okay. Um, that that is a phenomenal number. Uh, that is a ridiculous mm. number. I wonder uh, how many were streaming. I guess not many. They're all watching their TVs. No, uh, that interesting. Interesting stuff there. You don't see Ichiro get upset. And actually, I was oh. curious because the Japanese team brought out Suzuki's jersey after winning the 2023 final yesterday. It said Suzuki on it. I, when he played in Japan, did he have Suzuki on his jersey? And then he played when he played in North America, did he have Ichiro on his jersey? I'm just wondering about the cultural difference there because it did say Suzuki on his jersey that they pulled out yesterday. Yeah, uh, But... It said Ichiro when he played on the on the Mariners. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, Tess, I didn't even I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that that's weird. I I would like. I mean, I I wish they would do like. I wish they wouldn't write their name in English. I'm sorry. I'm a purist. Like, yeah, put like put it in put it in Japanese. Put it in Chinese. Put it in Korean. Yeah, put it put it in that. I 
you know, the, the, the names in English, I mean, it doesn't bother me, but I just, you know, it's more pure with the real names, with the real characters, whatever language it is. Then you'd get so many more people getting tattoos of those characters. I imagine, <laughs> rather than the, the characters they know nothing about. They'll see it, see it on a jersey? Sure. Uh, I'll buy that. So, yeah, that, I was, that was an interesting one, Joel. Thank you for, uh, for the history lesson there. Now take us to 2013, number three on the, the storylines here of the five World Baseball Classics. 2013, the Dominicans, they ran the table. They ran the table. Yeah. And then Japan kind of, you know, did the same thing again. That was my big story. Um, you know, and then Japan did the same thing, but yeah, Dominicans winning in 2013 ran the table. Technically test. They won one extra game because of the format. Japan went seven and zero. uh, the Dominicans went eight and oh, you know, just, uh, just for some context, but yeah, the Dominicans tests are always a threat. Those players always love playing, and they had a very, very good tournament. Um, they certainly didn't have an easy path. Like, they beat Venezuela. They beat Puerto Rico three times, uh, the Netherlands, and I believe they beat the USA on their way to this championship. So they beat some very, very tough teams. I will say this, task. my one thing I didn't like about this WBC, they had the finals in San Francisco. Baseball in March in San Francisco, I'm sorry. Not not a good venue uh, mm. for it. So that's my only kind of complaint. I feel it would have benefited if they had have had that in, you know, Miami or Los Angeles. I think that would have been a much better location. Didn't seem as loud for that final. And those two teams, I feel, have a strong baseball rivalry as well. But yeah, Dominicans, first team to go undefeated, run the table. Very, very hard to do. Baseball in San Francisco in March, it's like playing pickleball in Minnesota. I heard that on a, a, a No Dinks podcast, the right. inaugural No Dinks podcast on the No Dunks feed, <laughs> FYI. All right, uh, let's move on here. The next WBC, U.S. versus the Dominican. Those games, Joel, to you were what stood out before the U.S. won their first WBC in the last mm-hmm. tournament in 2017. Tess, this is what made me fall in love with the WBC. I was a casual fan for the first three. Um, Yeah, here's the Adam Jones catch, an iconic WBC moment, robbing his Orioles teammate, Manny Machado. This was such an amazing catch. Jones was so pumped up. I mean, that photo is so iconic. Um, But Tess, the first game uh, between the Dominicans and the Americans in the pool round, And Nelson Cruz hit a three-run home run in the eighth inning. And I suggest anyone listening, Tassu, whoever, go back and watch that highlight. Watch the bottom of the eighth inning. That is the inning that made me fall in love with this tournament. It was so loud. It was amazing. You know, you said earlier, Tass, it's almost like America's playing uh, away games in America. It was such a cool game. And that's when I really kind of bought into this tournament. Like, wow, this is competitive. This is exciting. You know, this is interesting baseball. So that, to me, really cemented me like, okay, like this is a legit tournament. You know, USA and Dominican, they played two great games. I wouldn't say it was a rivalry. They just played each other twice. But, you know, the USA, yeah, on their way to their first championship, I thought that was important um, because, you know, Tess, you need American fans to – you know, have interest in this and, you know, so USA winning, I guess, because we're so arrogant. We're so arrogant. We need it, Joel. Mm -hmm. So it was, yeah, but 2017 was, was just, it was, it was the tournament before this and you could kind of start to see it really 
I feel take shape and getting better. And there were some compelling games and even more this year, but yeah, the U S and Dominican games from 2017 are very, very, very exciting to watch. All right. And number one, the top storyline from each of the five WBCs, obviously Shohei Otani was ridiculous in this one, but it was also Randy Rosarena's coming out party playing for the Mexican Mm -hmm. team, Joel. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously it goes without saying Shohei. I mean, he's an unbelievable star, but I mean, a Rosarena was just so good. I mean, he had so many key hits. He robbed a home run. He knows how to work the crowd. He, I feel he's very aware of his showmanship abilities. He was one of the best hitters in the tournament. He's got such an interesting story about how his life, how he kind of left Cuba, you know, went to Mexico so he could play professional baseball. It's a very interesting story. They were talking about it, but he was everywhere. Fans were loving it. People don't really get to see him task because he plays for Tampa Bay. They're a small market team. They don't really get on a lot of uh, national games. So people don't really see him. But in this tournament, they did. And he's just, they need to put him in in national games. He's, He's a showman. He's a phenomenal player. He plays extremely hard. He plays extremely passionate. And I feel like he really embodies like the modern day player of being great, but, you know, showing emotion. And, you know, this was on full display in this tournament. You know, people need to take note of who this guy is. He's a very exciting, amazing and charismatic player. And that really shone through this entire tournament. Yeah, he was uh, out there shagging balls with his uh, sombrero and and cowboy boots. (laughs) I saw that. Uh, During a pitching change, he was signing autographs for fans uh, he, you mentioned the home run robbery of Okamoto. What a, what a catch! And uh, mm-hmm. Otani said, even when uh, he went up in the ninth inning of that semifinal game, he said he wanted to keep it away from Arosa Arena in left field because mm-hmm. <laughs> he was catching everything. I saw he had five putouts in the final five innings of that game. Yeah. That doesn't happen in baseball quite often. Uh, an outfielder out there doing that, so. He was catching everything, and uh, you taught us everything, Joel, so I appreciate you taking us through those five. Uh, after the break, one more quick one here. We'll get to the uh, the top five clothing items from this tournament. We'll describe it for the audio listeners out there, and audio listeners were asking, how the heck did Joel end up in Taiwan? We'll answer that question, too, after the break. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. 
When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be a foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash the athletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. Top five, top five, top five. Top five, top five, top five. One more top five for you. Here on No Bunts, the top five articles of clothing, uniforms, helmets, even celebrations, Joel. I know you wanted to get into this, so let's jump into it. All from the 2023 WBC. What were they wearing? How did they look at number five? It's Great Britain's crown. The crown that they had when they celebrated a home run, Joel. This was Mm -hmm. a beautiful touch. Yeah, I loved it. I I liked how... I, I like how teams just kind of leaned into the kind of stereotypical celebrations, but I thought it was very fun. I mean, having a guy knighted and wearing a crown and for the Great Britain team, I thought that was amazing. And I, there was an, I don't know if it was just one player or other players did it, but I only saw the same guy do it, but Tass, he would hit a double and then he would start drinking tea. Yeah. So <laughs> I liked how they just kind of leaned into it, but yeah, the, the great Britain home run celebration. That was awesome. I the, loved it. Oh, the stereotypes. Yes, please. Uh, happy, happy to have them. Uh, so, so well, they fun. just kind of leaned in, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, you know, the, the tea thing and the Mexicans oh, yeah. had the sombrero, but I mean, the guys were having fun. They, you know, it was just kind of fun to see. Oh, I'm not being sarcastic. I liked all of it. And, and also mm-hmm. the, 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 the cape that went along with the crown there, the 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 purple sort of cloak type thing. I guess it's not a yeah. cape. It's not a cape. It's a cloak, right, JD? Is that cloak, is that yeah. the word uh, the word I'm looking for? I think it's cloak. I think, but cape works. Okay, with the royal purple. Yeah, it's royal great. royal purple with the the fur trim and the crown as they celebrate a home run. And he was knighted, as you said there, Joel. I forgot about mm-hmm. that part. Uh, great yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's right. He gets knighted. Yeah. He gets knighted. Yeah, got to. Got to. So that's number five on our top five articles of clothing at the WBC. Number four, the Colombian uniform. You like this oh. this bold yellow road uniform specifically. Yeah. Well, both of them. Yeah, like Tass, I like the blue ones and I like the yellow ones. I like the yellow one. It's a bit brighter. These just look really, really good. They look really clean. These are basically very similar to the Boston Red Sox City Connect jersey, which I don't like because why are the Red Sox wearing yellow? To me, that doesn't make any sense. Maybe there's a story behind it. I think it looks bad in Boston, but I think it looks great uh, for the for the Columbia national team. Just looks so good. I love that. I love that color combination. Just looks very crisp, very clean to me. Okay. Another bold one at number three, the Venezuelan uniform. There's a lot going on. I love on. it. A lot going on yeah. here. Blue you know, for the majority of the chest in the back and then uh, yellow along the shoulders 
and the sleeves, a, a bold yellow. So you got some some bold colors, both both the blue and yellow standing out there, and uh, you're seeing uh, Acuna who had all the accoutrements as well. You know, had, oh, had yeah. all the yellow around it as well. What'd you like about mm-hmm. these, Joel? Yeah, I thought Acuna looked like the best player in uniform, if I can phrase it like that. You know, I love how Acuna plays. He's got the the top buttons open, the jewelry. Yeah, I, I just thought he looked very cool. He had some big moments in this in this tournament too, and him jumping up and the jewelry flying over uh, everywhere, and you know, just those bright colors. I just kind of think it embodies that you know that spirit, the way he plays, and I just I just thought it looked good. I like those. I like those bright colors. I think they they look very good on TV. Okay, number two of the uh, top five articles of clothing at the WBC, the Australian batting helmet. We went with a batting helmet here, Joel. Had to. Tess, okay, do you like, what do you think about the Oakland A's uniform colors? Where do you stand on the Oakland A's? I like them a lot. And, yeah, me and that, too. That and screams, so that's why I picked this. That's why you picked this. <laughs> more, yeah. more just because it looks like an Oakland A's uniform. That's exactly what I thought initially, and because of the A on the on the helmet. Yeah. How how could you? I not? just it's think a, it looks good. Yeah. You just look. It looks solid. You just like the green and gold. I think I yeah. I think it's a classic. Uh, I think it's a classic color combo, and especially for baseball. Yeah. I just yeah. Just like the way it looks. Nothing more. Nothing less. It is one of those color combos that you can't have too many of. I, I would mm-hmm, say that's true. I think the one in MLB, correct me if I'm wrong, but there isn't really another green and gold. I mean, the Padres have a gold accent to their brown, which is also another unique mm-hmm. combo. You only need one. But is there another green and gold? I don't think so, right? Oakland stands No, out. I don't believe so, no. Yeah, and it's also my uh, my high school colors as well. So kind of gaudy if you don't do it well. Nice. Uh, but the Gordon yeah. Graydon Hawks did it well as well. <laughs> and the Oakland Athletics obviously do it well. And so did Team Australia advancing to the quarterfinals for the first time in WBC history. So congrats to them. That's right. But also congrats to the Netherlands who have the best uniform of them all, oh, Joel. Look at that. Yeah. I love this uniform. Um, so, yeah, explain it. Explain, just, describe it to people. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, the hat, I, I love the way the hat looks with the crown, the, the orange. And the dark blue and then pinstripes, I feel, is an iconic look for a baseball uniform. Again, like just looks very clean. And and I like the very small font above Netherlands, Kingdom of Netherlands. I just like the way that looks. Typically, I don't really like white uniforms, uh, but I just absolutely love this one. And Tess, when I was at the WBC, like when we were in Taijong a couple of weeks ago, I thought, oh, I'm just going to buy a Kingdom of Netherlands hat there. Nope, none for sale. So, mm. uh, yeah, I was a bit bummed out. But I just think those uniforms just look so good. I love the pinstripes. Classic baseball look. Did you get online to buy one? Not yet. Not okay. yet. Because that, that could so, be our, part of our uniform here on, on No Bunch, Joel. I, I like that hat, too. <laughs> you're, you're totally right. The Kingdom Netherlands with that, that orange crown. There's something about yeah, it. It looks good. It is good. I'd wear it. Yeah, JD loves it, too. Oh, nice. There we go. We got our team. Uh, let's get the Netherlands caps let's get the Netherlands caps Uh, and yeah if you haven't listened to last week's no buns as Joel alluded to there went to the final pool play game in Taiwan between uh, Taiwan and Cuba Uh, what a story Cuba was just to get uh, to the the pool play Mm -hmm. Uh, a five way tie in in your pool there Joel at two and two everybody two and two but Cuba advanced there uh, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a good tournament for them. As even though it ended kind of poorly with that wild game against Adam Wainwright in, uh, in the U.S. Okay, so we got our top five. Let's quickly go through uh, some worst 
mentions. Worst nominees here for uh, for bad attire. We're going back to Great Britain. <laughs> Their uniforms, Joel. You you didn't you didn't like this oh, ridiculously man. simple and ridiculously small font on their chest. What is that? Like, I, honest question. Anyone answer? Like, what? What is that? It, it looks like they weren't even trying with this at all. Um, it's so bad. It's good. Uh, it got roasted perfectly on social media. I think on one of them, two tasks, the E actually fell off one of the jerseys on one of the players. Yeah. I mean, these are so bad. They're good. And even with the hat logo too, I mean, did they even try? I mean, I know that like artists come up with different designs, but like, if this is what they settled on, <laughs> I want to see what, what they passed on. If they're like, yeah, this is the best we have. I want to see what didn't make the cut. And yeah, we're, but we're showing I mean, you the just... road uniforms as well, which oh, yeah. are a red, which I don't, I don't mind the color scheme. They went gray for, for the homes. Correct me if I'm wrong. Gray homes, which were pretty blah. And then the red, I like the red better, but the font stays the same. Yeah. Which is extremely simple and mm. extremely small. It feels yeah, I like. I know. The sizing. I know. I'm not, I'm not a I fan just, of tiny, yeah. tiny fonts on a chest and it, this player seems a little bit smaller so i think proportions are better and maybe they're i don't know maybe they're selling to to to, to slender people because i think it would fit better maybe that's who they had in mind <laughs> when they designed these this small font so it, it does fill out a little bit better but I, i'm totally with you joel totally with you yeah uh and one i, I wanted to include were the american batting helmets i know we're getting to a point where there's sponsorships on everything but this was mm. jarring to me, Joel, seeing a monstrous T-Mobile sponsorship on the side of the batting helmet. I want it pure. I just want it pure. And and I and correct me if I'm wrong, there isn't sponsorships like this on MLB batting helmets where it's it's literally the entire side of a of a batting helmet. It's it's too much. I just want the logo. I, I think you have to keep it somewhat pure. If, if you've got this some sticky stuff on there, that's cool. Uh, but the branding, it's it's too much. Yeah, I I, I don't. Yeah, Tess, you're right. I don't think they put advertisements on batting helmets in MLB, but I think it's just a matter of time before they do. They, they put the Nike swoosh. I think some other teams have some. Uh, corporate sponsorship deals as well. It's happening in other sports. Baseball's not immune. Um, I yeah. I just the like f with the USA. I feel like they should just have better jerseys. Generally speaking, mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not really a fan. I don't think they have bad jerseys, but I feel like they could be doing better with the logos and with the hat. Just doesn't work for me. The white USA's look like look good, but. Got to update the logo. And I feel like you could be very creative with the American logo too, but they kind of run that out with the S and it kind of looks like a wavy flag. I'm like, that's it. That's the best you guys came up with. Come on. We can do better than that. I, I agree. There could have been more with the, uh, the American uniforms. It just was, uh, mm -hmm. it was fairly simple seeing them the first time seeing captain America, as they were calling Mike Trout throughout this tournament mm -hmm. with a, a Jersey didn't yell captain to me. It wasn't enough wasn't enough captainy uh there wasn't enough uh on that jersey it was overly simple uh but uh we got to simplify the end of the show joel you know what we're going to do we're going to save this question about why you ended up in taiwan till next week because okay. uh, we're running out of time here and we're going to try and reel some people in to next week as well so come on back to hear that uh next week you think that'll bring people back i think so 
I think we'll I get think it. so too. Yeah, we, we don't know what the actual show content's going to be next week. It's uh, going to be all that. It's going to be all Joel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Give the people what they want. All right. How I'll disappointed are they walking away from this podcast not yeah, hearing the Taiwan story? <laughs> that's fair. No, we, we, we got to get, get wrapping up. We'll decide on what our show is going to be leading into the MLB season. It'll be just a couple days before the MLB season. I uh, can't wait to do this all year with you, Joel. I'm excited. Please subscribe to the Athletic MLB show again, wherever you pod or on YouTube to find us. And if you want to subscribe to the Athletic, great deal going on right now for the entire website. 12 months, a dollar per month. That's 12 bucks for the year. Theathletic.com slash no dunks. Theathletic.com slash no dunks. For that, we'll be back next week. Joel, did the cats eat? Cats are eight. I'm going to go uh, say goodnight to them before I go to bed. Give them all a big <laughs> hug, and then it's bedtime. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, say goodnight to us. Uh, for us, I should say. <laughs> all right. Because they night. ain't. Say goodnight to the cats for us. We'll say goodnight to you, Joel. Well and we'll see everybody out there next week. <laughs>